Whitehead drives to the hole, hangs, and what? Isaiah Whitehead ties it up at 67. Outlet pass, Archidiakono, front court, slips, fires, and that's it! The Seton Hall Pirates defeat Villanova, 69-67, and for the first time in 23 years, their Big East Tournament champion. For the latest in Seton Hall basketball and Seton Hall athletics, this is Courtside Pirates with Chris Pazes. Seton Hall the lead with 1.1 second to go. What a shot by Miles Pond. Thompson shows it. Kale steps back, lets it fly. Miles Kale, 84-83. And Seton Hall knocks off the number nine team in the nation. 84-83. This weekly podcast will recap every men's basketball game throughout the Pirates' season. Pow! From Trenton! Woo! What Trenton makes, the world takes! With special guests along the way, Courtside Pirates will dive into the Pirates' season after every game, giving you my thoughts and opinions as Seton Hall looks to return to the NCAA tournament. McKnight will inbound. Powell, they throw it up the Mambo, and it goes at the buzzer! Oh my goodness! This is Courtside Pirates with Chris Pazes. I go away on vacation for two weeks and madness literally erupts. Welcome and thank you for joining. My name is Chris Pazes, the host of Courtside Pirates. This week, no teaser, no preview. We are getting right into it because there's a ton to discuss. Joining me now for the third time on Courtside Pirates is a legend on the airwaves of 89.5 FM WSAU. If you know him, you most likely have heard his voice following every scene hall men's home game and road game on Hall Line. Nick from Milburn. Nick joined us last time to preview the 2021-2022 season, and my God, so much has happened since then, especially since the last episode of Courtside Pirates just two weeks ago, which saw the team compete in the Big East tournament, have their name heard on Selection Sunday, an embarrassing West Coast performance in the first round of the NCAA tournament to TCU, and Coach Willard, after 12 seasons in South Orange, leaving to take the head coaching job of the men's basketball program at the University of Maryland. All this while Shaheen Holloway and the St. Peter's Peacocks have captivated the sporting world as Cinderella's team. This is going to be a heavy-hitting episode, and we're getting right into it. Nick from Milburn, welcome back to Courtside Pirates for the third time. Thank you, Chris. It's always a pleasure. Um, you do a great job. I listen to your podcast all the time. I think it's the number one Seton Hall uh, podcast. And uh, how was your vacation? Uh, you know, it was great, Nick. Uh, got away for two weeks down in Florida and Puerto Rico. Weather was great. It was better than being in the cold. And, uh, you know, it was, it was good. It was a good distraction, too, after the last couple uh, weeks or so for Seton Hall basketball, that's for sure. So it's good to actually be back on the podcast with only this episode and one episode to come following whatever announcement that is the worst kept secret in all of college basketball of who's going to be the next right. coach of the Seton Hall men's team. But yeah, it's good to be back. But more importantly, it's great to have you back on. Oh, my pleasure, Chris. I, when, you, when you asked me to come back on, I, I marked it. I was looking forward to it all day. I had a busy day at work, but this, uh, this kept me going. Love talking basketball with you and uh, to all the Seton Hall Pirates fans out there. Well, let's do that, Nick. Let's talk basketball. And before we even get into anything, I want to go back to the Big East tournament. Before we even get into that, what is your emotional state right now with the Seton Hall program? Like with everything that's gone on from a high level of everything from seeing Coach Willard's press conference with the University of Maryland to the TCU game, where are you right now as a fan? Well, I'm, I've always tried to stay even keel. I mean, again, you know, it goes back and you, you and I have had this conversation. I think I'm a fan of the Yankees. I'm a fan of the Knicks. I'm, I'm a supporter of the Seton Hall Pirate basketball program. Um, yeah, I was disappointed you know, about the Big East tournament. And then I was disappointed about the NCAA tournament. But again, you know, you just have to, this is my team. 
um, my, my ride or die team. And I'm a big supporter of the program. I believe in the program. I think the program has gone a very long way and we can get into talk about that, but you know, I I'm back on course and I'm, I'm ready for the, you know, the next coming days uh, ahead to see what's going on in our future. Yeah, you know, within this next 72 hours, it's all but pretty much certain that uh, Shaheen Holloway is likely going to be named the new head coach of the Seton Hall men's basketball team. But let's go back, Nick, to that that Big East tournament. Uh, you know, the first game against Georgetown, who was the 11th seed, but that was the Wednesday game. The Pirates squeezed it out 57 to 53 and then followed that up with a just a bad loss, in my opinion, to number 20 Connecticut, who was the third uh, the three seed, uh, 62 to 52. To me, Nick, it just seemed like a team that was kind of running low on gas at the end. And they really didn't have an answer for the size and speed of, of the Yukon Huskies. I, I think what happened and I was there on uh, on that Thursday and I saw three great basketball games. I think the St. John's Villanova game was one of the greatest college basketball games that I've ever, that I've ever watched. And then comes our game and we're looking forward to it. And, and basically our defense and, and coach Will is a great defensive coach um, can keep us in any game but we could not hit our shots and Kadari Richmond, you could tell was hurting. So we got absolutely no offense and they did a good job putting a lid on Jared Roden and basically cut off his mid range game. And I got to tell you, it was tough to watch. I mean, you know, we just our our offensive performance and, and it, there was an indication against Georgetown, the same thing. And in the last game of the year against Georgetown, our offensive performance was just not there. Um, you know, whatever happens with the program, we have to get guys who can shoot and score because we can play defense and we're gritty and we're tough. But that's, you know, UConn plays great defense, too. And um, it was just we just couldn't shoot the ball and score. Well, what, do you, what do you think about that? You know, just watching Sonogo, I just think I, every time I see him play, it, that's the biggest thing I take away from seeing UConn now is anytime I see him on the court, I'm just like, he's the player that got away from the Pirates. He was right. the guy that could have came in it, it, and it just could have changed the entire dynamic of the team. Um, I thought they played horrible offensively. I think it was up until a, uh, a week later versus TCU. The, that was pretty much their worst offensive showing to date. I thought... UConn did everything right in that game. I think they got out coached by Hurley, to be completely honest with you. I think that was the biggest thing I took away from the game is where they just seemed like they wanted it more. Uh, UConn, I thought, would have done better in the NCAA tournament after seeing them play against the Pirates. I, I just thought UConn was going to be a deep Big East team. I was wrong on that. But, you know, Georgetown for the Pirates has not been a good matchup this year. They just haven't. I mean, they, they have not played well against them. It's been very close games. Pirates have been able to squeeze all three of those games out. And the one team I didn't want to face was UConn. I, I would have rather taken my chances against a Providence or a Villanova. I did not want to see the Pirates play against UConn. I thought it was a bad matchup from the beginning. But really, I, I, it's weird too, because even after the loss, Nick, my mind was like, you know what? This team, it doesn't really matter. They're going to the NCAA tournament. How right. many years have we talked about in the last six years where they needed to get two wins? They need to get three wins. They need to be the semifinal game. Just even be considered off that bubble, Right. So to me, it was like, all right, get rested. The, the Big East tournament doesn't really matter at this point in terms of, you know, making it to the NCAA tournament. And we're going to see what happens. But I'll tell you what, on Selection Sunday, you know, there was a lot of people online talking about them as a seven seed following Georgetown. I think people take too much stock into what happens during the week that leads up to right. the NCAA tournament with, the, with these conference games. A lot of the, the decisions are already made prior to that. Um, right. I didn't see them getting off the eight, nine seed, unless if they beat a UConn and maybe even that might not have been enough. So to me, I, I didn't hate the matchup with TCU. I actually thought it was a good draw for the pirates. I hated that. They ended up being the last game uh, of the first round as always, what seems to happen with scene hall goes West. But to me, Nick, I didn't hate the matchup on paper for TCU because I thought the pirates defensively would be able to kind of hold their own. And just really the, the key there was going to be their offense. But what was your take when you first heard the draw? Um, so going back to your Sonogo point and, and that killed me, the one that got away. And I truly believe that if UConn didn't come into the big East, um, we would have gotten Sonogo. And I think UConn coming into the big East was great for the big East, but it was not great for Seton Hall. And I also think if Shaheen Holloway was on the staff, he probably would have closed on, on Sonogo. Um, first the draw for the big East tournament, if certain things went our way, and we ended up in the other side of the bracket. I think that would have been a little better for us as we drew the, 
the harder bracket. I also think in a Big East tournament, I think Providence, you know, didn't deserve to win the regular season. I think Ed Cooley, Astrid Ed Cooley, did not play three games. And, you know, I think it was the three games was uh, Creighton, uh, Seton Hall, and UConn. You know, those three games that, that he could have lost. Um, so I don't think they were the best team, but, you know, it is what it is and the way the Big East tournament did it. Um, as far as Selection Sunday, um, I hate it. I, you know, me and my daughter were all ready to book at my daughter Christina and go, and then it's San Diego. And then you find out that we're traveling the farthest out of any team in the tournament yet again. And I can't go back, you know, go back to that Isaiah Whitehead team where, you know, it's Saturday. We, we win the whole thing. You know, we have Sunday selection Sunday, and then the next day we're on a plane to, to Colorado because coach wants us to get used to the altitude. We do not get great draws, and, you know, uh, it is what it is, and you got to make the most of it. I thought the matchup with TCU when I was talking to some Seton Hall guys, I mean, I think they mirrored us, you know, a tough, gritty defensive team who can't really put the ball in the hoop that much either, and it just was a matter of who hit shots and Again, they hit their shots and we didn't. And, you know, our offense was flat and they ended up winning the game. And, and then they played pretty well in the next game, if I remember correctly. True? They yeah, hung in there, yeah. They, they hung in there against Arizona. They, they hung yeah. in there for the most part. And, yeah. you know, people were like, well, if they had beaten TCU, they would have had a shot at Arizona. That's not how it works. That's no, just no, not no. how it works. You know, Nick, I'll be honest. I thought this game was an embarrassment. Uh, you know, they lose the game 69 to 42. They finished the season overall 21 and 11. Record-wise, you know, you can't be too mad about that with everything that has happened with this team. Right. But I thought this game was an embarrassment. I, I, they shot 28% from the floor. They shot 28% from three. And they shot 54% from the line. Uh, they didn't even deserve to be on the court against TCU, in my opinion. And I don't know if it's as much about TCU as it is about just – the team's performance. I don't know if it was, and I don't want to assume because I don't want to take anything away from coach Willard, because I do think, and we're going to get into him a lot here on this episode um, has really done a lot of great things for this program. And the big word to me is just bringing back and restoring what they should be. It's a rest, It was a restoration project he had to come to, but I felt after the game, especially his press conference, he had one foot out the door already. I mean, he, he is not someone that is ever really big with the press in terms of outside of his dry humor. And it really pissed me off hearing his uh, interview after the game. It really did. It just, just as a fan of the program, as someone who has covered this team now for years and has covered Coach Willard, I did not like anything I heard in that press conference. What was your take? Um, yeah. So, so one, one thing about him in his press conferences, he can be brutally honest. And the way he answered that question, I, I mean, my initial reaction was shock because because who says that I'm going to talk to my agent. You're like, you know, I got to go talk to my guys. You know, that's my number one concern with my players or, you know, I have to go home and discuss this with my with my family. But right away, he's like, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow morning, I'm going to talk with my agent. But if you really think about it, he was telling the truth. Cause that's exactly what he did do. He went home and the next day talked to his agent and worked out whatever deal to, you know, saw what deals were there. And, you know, his agent, I guess, finalized the deals. So, you know, he did tell the truth. And I know in the past, I mean, I don't know if you were there at his very first press conference at Seton hall. Um, I picked my son up from middle school and we went over there and um, he made, you know, he, he said something about how he was going to hire Marcus Toniel as a coach. And he never did. And, you know, I heard that that created some bad blood between Marcus Toniel, the players, Jimmy Salmon or whatever. So I think sometimes he just misspeaks. Um, but I think this time he was just brutally honest and he told the truth. <laughs> I respect that he told the truth. And I right. respect that it's what everyone knew was going to happen and what was right. being said. What I don't respect is that he's so tone deaf when it was a 69 to 42 embarrassing loss that that is the response you have. Like, you know, at the end of the day, to me, sure, you can leave after this. Like, 12 years is a long time in a program. Everyone who, who thinks Coach Willard was going to be the head coach of the men's basketball team until he retired, it's not realistic. PJ no. wasn't here his entire career. It's no. not realistic. Having said that, when you put up 42 points on the national stage and you only have one NCAA tournament win in your entire career at the program, that can't be your first response. Like that, just that, that, that to me, it just, and I think that goes back to why so many people dislike coach Willard for different things. I'll never criticize him for what he's done on the court with the team. I, I think he has brought the program to a high level of respect. I was the one on, on pirate prime time 
at WSU when Bobby Gonzalez was announced that he was going to be fired. I, I, I've been, I was at his press conference when Coach Willard got hired. I, I've been a part of Coach Willard's bubble since then, uh, as you have as a fan. So to me, he's brought greatness to this program in a lot of levels, which it didn't expect to have after what happened with Bobby Gonzalez. But I think that conference that he had after the game with the press was just so tone deaf. And I hate beating it over a dead horse, but I think that's going to stay with him a long time in the eyes of the fans. I think a lot of fans aren't going to remember what he did to get this program out of the gutter and get respect to the program. And they're going to think about his NCAA record and now what that press conference was like, Nick. Yeah, no, it it wasn't, it wasn't a great showing. Um, I I think he was kind of shell shocked. I think, you know, there's a lot of emotions in sports and I, and I think that he was on an emotional down and I, I think it could have been handled better. But again, like you said, you have to respect the guy. He was brutally honest and you know, you don't get that in sports. You get fluff a lot of times and, and maybe that's what we're used to. And he could have walked out there and said, guys, you know, my main goal right now is to talk to my team, you know, and, and I feel bad for them and they played hard and yada, yada, yada. But no, he didn't do that. He came out and, and he said, you know, I'm going to have a conversation with my agent and see what the future may bring. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, and then, you know, that was the first comment, Nick, about, about his agent. The second one, which just sent shockwaves through everyone, is him uh, basically saying what everyone already knows, who the next person in line would be anyway, but fully endorsing a coach that is currently winning games in the NCAA tournament. They had just beaten a very good, <laughs> well-known team called Kentucky, and he's promoting Shaheen Holloway as the next coach of the team for a job that he currently still holds. I mean, that in itself was a huge thing that he said. So even forget about the part about the agent. He's now endorsing the next person he wants to be hired to replace him at the program. No, I know. And you could say it was was mind-boggling because, one, you're you're talking about a school that yet you're officially not there yet. And then you're talking about a coach coming from another school who's still playing and no one's under contract or anything else. And, and you got Maryland and you got St. Peter's and you got Seton Hall and, and they all have to be like shaking their heads. Like what's going on here? I've never seen anything like that. Um, but again, it was all honesty, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. He endorsed Shaheen, you know, coming here, you know, was it the right time and right place? Of course not. No way. But is it going to happen? Let's all pray and hope so because we all think it is. Yeah. And I think, I think that all gets settled the next couple of days. I'll tell you what, he made him wherever Shaheen Holloway goes, whether he decides to stay at St. Peter's one more year and ride it out with these guys, whether it's to come to Seton Hall and come home as the prodigal son, or if another big school comes out of nowhere, I'll tell you what, Nick, this man's going to get paid. Shaheen Holloway. Oh, yeah. well, and I heard he's making 250,000 now, which on the coaching level is, is, is nothing. And, and he deserves the payday. And, you know, and the longer, and the longer they were, you know, playing the greater that the uh, board of regents and everything are going to have to open up their wallets and pay this guy. And you and I even said this long ago that coach Willard was doing a good job. He deserved to be here. But if, and when coach Willard chose not to be here, that the first thing you do is pick up the phone and call Shaheen Holloway. And the timing could not be any more better for a shot than it is right now. And I don't know what they're going to pay him, what they're going to offer him. You know, um, this is Sunday as we're recording this. I'm hearing a Tuesday press conference. You know, that could be wrong. But I mean, yeah, you, whatever he wants, you, you have to pay this guy and you have to lock this guy up. We have not been great historically. The, we've had two coaches in my lifetime that left to go to other jobs. PJ left and he went to the pros and, and uh, uh, it wasn't a great hire after that one. I mean, the best we can do was what, uh, George Blaney? I mean, that was not a good hire. And then after uh, Amaker leaves, you know, to go to Michigan, we get Louis Orr and both neither one of those worked out. So I think it's time that we go back to our basics. We go back to the roots. We go back to someone with Seton Hall ties. I think it's a no brainer. Um, we have to wrap shop. And I hope as we speak, it's being worked on and we can, you know, wrap this thing up and have a press conference and make him our next coach. And let's just, you know, get ahead and let's just start talking the future and talking basketball again. I think it's so interesting because had, I think this is a very fair statement. You can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think there is a large group of Seen Hall fans that 
follow the team relatively closely. Had Shaheen Holloway and St. Peter's not gone on this magical run, which as we're recording ended today uh, in the elite eight, they lost to North Carolina, 69 to 49 and North Carolina now will be playing against Duke for the first time ever in the NCAA tournament. That's incredible. But if Shaheen Holloway's team did not go on this run, how many fans would be up in flames calling Seton Hall lazy that they did not go out for a real national search and they just went to St. Peter's and brought a former player back. Anyone who knows the program well would say this was a no-brainer. This was always going to happen. He's the guy. He's the lead recruiter. He knows his X's and O's, and he proved it in this tournament. But there's a large group that would be like, what is Seton Hall doing? This is a downgrade. Because of this run, Nick, Shaheen Holloway is now in a great position to make a lot more money. And Seton Hall is in a position where they are in a win situation. He's now the hottest coach to talk about yep. in the country. And he's going to come home yep. to Seton Hall. This is a huge opportune time in that if Seton Hall does not lock him up, it's done. It's done. This program is going to be a laughing stock to its fans. No, this is a perfect fit. And again, there's unrealistic expectations. When PJ left, oh, coaches are going to be dying, lining up to come here. That didn't happen. We went out and we had to get a Holy Cross coach, George Blaney, who may be one of the worst coaches in the history of the school. And, and then when, when Amaker leaves, again, the same thing. And we have to go get a local, uh, I think it was a Mac coach at the time, in um, Louis Orr. So the job is not as desirable as everyone may think it is. Um, but Shaw's the perfect fit. Shaw was here. Shaw recruits the area really well. And, you know, we'll get, I'm sure we'll get into that later, but, but this is a no brainer and anyone who disagrees doesn't know basketball and they certainly don't know Seton Hall pirate basketball. When you, Nick, who has seen so much pirate basketball in your life, think of coach Willard's legacy. What is it? I think coach Willard came in and you know, this as well as I do. And I don't want to rehash what happened, but you couldn't get any lower than our program was in every, in, 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 in scholastic, in, you know, crimp, in, in, in legal issues, in basketball issues, you could not get any lower. And he came in and he cleaned up a huge mess. And what he did was he changed the culture of the program. And along with Shaheen Holloway, they built a foundation. And, and I was talking to someone who knows about this. And, and basically, that was the goal. You, you know, when you build a house, you build it from the bottom up. And that's what he had to do. And there were some lean years under Willard basketball-wise. But the educational end got straightened out. Guys started going to class. Guys started graduating. We're getting a better quality student athlete. And it was just building on itself until we got, you know, what I consider that that greatest class of all time, the Isaiah, Dino, Desi, Mike, Ish, that class. Um, when that class came and, 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 Angel, uh, and uh, Angel, that class solidified Willard's legacy and took it to the next level. And you got to remember, Shaw was a recruiter on a lot of those kids. So, again, um, I think Kevin Willard came in in a very tough situation. He was a very young, inexperienced coach. I think he only coached a few years from Iona. He took the job um, and he established a culture, which now we need to build on. I think the one word you said the best to me, and I was trying to think of a word to describe it while you were talking, but I come back to this and it's foundation. He yeah. actually built a foundation for the program, which was destroyed under the old regime. Yeah. And in 12 years of doing that, he had bad years in the beginning. You know, he yeah. had to... He had to get his guys in at the end of the day. Um, yep. But he really did a good job of bringing in that recruiting class. Like you said, thanks to Sheehan Holloway and the other recruits. Uh, you know, you got Tiny Morton. You had guys that were really important to the program. Yep. Um, but to me, it's he, he, he built a foundation that the next coach, whoever it would be, could build on. And in this case, all signs point to his protege. And a beloved Seton Hall member that I think is going to come in. And if Sheehan comes in, he is going to have every opportunity immediately to make a huge impact on the recruiting side. I mean, he is going to bring in a ton of guys just because of this run alone. Forget about his, his respect and ability in the New York, New Jersey area. There's going to be guys that want to come play for him now after this run. Oh, yeah. And, and not only that, but I was thinking about this the other day or actually today. 
if I had a kid that was good enough to play at that level, I would want my kid to play for Shaheen Holloway. I mean, after um, the game the other night, he found out that Edgar stand, uh, stood on a table, stood on a table, and he went nuts. He's like, oh, my God, no, we don't, we don't do that. I mean, he, Shaheen really cares about his players. And I would imagine that in the living room and the homes that he is going to close deals. And what you got to remember is he got um, banks from the St. Patrick's and the Agra from Bergen Catholic, and he has these relationships. And, you know, those relationships are still going to be there, but at a higher level. If he could recruit from those schools from St. Peter's, hopefully it becomes a Seton Hall, he'll have the same success. And I've been watching this program for a long time. And the blueprint's not difficult. You recruit the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area, recruit in some foreign players to go along with that. And, and that's your blueprint. It never works when we try to, you know, we have this thing, let's go to Kansas, let's do this. It doesn't work. We have to recruit around here. We got a guy, you know, who's a great recruiter and a great closer. And, you know, if that happens and keep our fingers crossed, I, I you know, I just think, and he, he's a great talent evaluator, right? Like these kids at St. Peter's, they play tough. They hit shots. They play defense. I mean, again, Willard was a great defensive coach and I looked at Shaw. I mean, they were playing lockdown defense and also his offense that he was running guys were getting open looks and hitting shots and coming off the of screens and everything. And I mean, let's just hope that that's what it's going to be. But, you know, if that happens, I am so looking forward to the future. And, and let me say this. I wish Coach Willard nothing but the best of luck at Maryland. I, I know that he locked up Coach Skinner as number one recruiter. And I hope they have all the success in the world. And I want to play them in the Big Ten, Big East uh, Challenge. But, um, yeah, uh, hopefully things will work out the way we think it's going to. And, and I think it's the next step in the progression for Seton Hall Pirate basketball. Yeah, I, I want to get to that too, Nick, because I, I do think, uh, first off, I, I, I'm not rooting against Coach Willard. I, right. I'm not rooting against him. Um, I do hope he does well. There is one thing that stood out to me, and a couple of things. Uh, so during his press conference with Marilyn, uh, first off, the private jet and all, all the charade, charade did. Anyone, <laughs> Maryland fans will learn very quick. That is not their new coach. That is not right. their new coach. I can only imagine that Kevin Willard had to be thinking just, they're paying me a lot of money. They're paying me a lot of money as he's, <laughs> hugging, as he's hugging the mascot and as he's coming right. off a private jet like a president. Uh, he, that's not him. And he, they're going to learn that real quick. But what stood out to me the most, Nick, and I don't know if you heard the press conference, but what stood out to me the most, the amount of times he mentioned that Maryland was an NCAA championship caliber team and that, oh, that so program top needs to top do. 10 program. He said it like 10 times. It was a top 10 program. I yeah, don't know I, whose mind it is, but he, he's right. Maybe when Lefty Grizel was there and they, you know, we're going to get Moses Malone, but yeah. He mentioned it so many times that A, they're, they're a top 10 uh, coaching job and B, that they are an NCAA contender year in and year out. I have never heard him say the words NCAA champion out of his mouth in 12 years at Seton Hall, ever. I have never heard yeah. it. And the way he was saying it then, I, a, I think he believes it because we know that Coach Willard's an honest guy. Uh, B, we might see a different Coach Willard at Maryland than we saw at Seton Hall. This, this might be the, the type of program that he feels he can really express who he is, but he's going to be under a ton of scrutiny, unlike he was at Seton Hall. Um, yeah, and I think, there, I think everything's more. There's more donors. There's more boosters. There maybe, and the media might even, be, might even be more media because, yes, this is a metropolitan area, but you have the Knicks and Nets. Rangers, so on, Jets, Giants, so on and so forth. Um, press conference, another thing. You know, we're talking about a top 10 program. But what got me, and, and I have to laugh about this, and when Willard referred to alcohol at Seton Hall, what was it every time? It was so wine. It was a glass of wine. It was always wine, right? I'm going to relax. With it. I never, ever heard him say, I'm going to sit down and have a beer with somebody. I never and now all of a sudden he's at Maryland and he wants to sit down and have beers with their friends. That stood out to me. I know it's silly, but yeah, that no, like, no. all of a sudden the guy changed and, you know, his taste in booze changed overnight. But I also think he's very smart. And I think he knows his audience and, and you don't go, get where he is, you know, without being a really bright guy and the way he designs plays and everything, you, you could tell he's bright and he knew who he was talking to and he, and he adjusted and he adapted and, I think we're going to see a new coach, Kevin Willard. And, you know, he, in life, you, 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 you progress and you get, you know, 
as you go along in learning experiences. And I think, yeah, you're, I think, Chris, you're a hundred percent right. But the wine and beer thing just stood out to me. I don't know. What, what did you hear that one? Per, per, perfect example of this. So when it was the midnight madness that they, they hosted yeah. and they had Kobayashi there. I was there Kobayashi, as a student yes. and he coach Willard. He is who I'm referring to <laughs> put a handkerchief around his neck had, yep. I think maybe one hot dog and he was washing it down with a glass of red. So yes. I can tell you right now that this man likes wine. That <laughs> moment got me to think about how Brian Kelly pretended to be from the South when he got right. announced at LSU for the football team, when he left Notre Dame earlier this right. year. That, that's what that was. I mean, he, that was his way of saying, I like Natty Bowes. I'm, I'm, I'm Maryland. I'm Baltimore. Don't worry about me. I'm not a bougie New York guy that just drinks wine. I can go down there and go to a clam bake or go to a seafood bake, and I'm going to have beers with the boys. That is what that was. Yep, that's, exa- that's exactly what that was. And, and, and all of us picked that up right away. And down there, they had, they had no idea. But whatever, they'll, they'll, they'll learn. But what I will say about the press conference, all jokes aside, when he discussed Seton Hall, you could hear it in his voice that he was emotional and that it was a hard decision for him and his family to leave. I think that's fair to say that while the fans might never always believe that Coach Willer was 100% invested, there are some that feel that way. I don't agree with them, but they are, there are some that feel that way. You can't take away the fact that during the press conference, it seemed very authentic in his emotions talking about the university. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, the relationships that he made, you know, his family really, you're, you're taking, you're taking, it's just not a job. You're uprooting your family, you know, and you're moving them to another part of the country and you have all types of relationships that you built all the kids that you've had. It's very emotional. And yes, that was 100% real. And that was 100% genuine. One thing I found interesting, uh, Scene Hall obviously released a press statement on Scene Hall Athletics website for uh, the end of the tenure for Coach Kevin Willard. Uh, Maryland also announced a new uh, official statement, I should say, from, from their athletic program as well. I couldn't help, Nick, but while I'm reading the entirety of the press conference uh, and the press release that they did, they said that, you know, Kevin Willard is a winner in every sense of the word. Um, they talked about the amassing the 720 win seasons, and then they got into some of the, the player stats of what they had. Not one mentioned though, of a unanimous all American player that they had just a couple years ago, uh, at all. They, they mentioned, you know, the biggest player of the year award that miles Powell had, but no mention of that. And I understand that things are going on with a lawsuit. I understand that. But that to me kind of irked me. You, you could acknowledge that a certain, you could acknowledge like they did without naming players what someone did. To me, I understand maybe they didn't want to single someone out specifically that had great success and was the best player in probably the last 20 years of the program. Um, but I kind of feel like they sold short some of the player success that Coach Willard has had, predominantly around a Miles Powell. Did you notice that at all? Do you think I'm overthinking it just because I'm. Um, I am a big Powell guy, but that's just something I kind of just noticed here looking at that. No, I think you're spot on. And, and I think, you know, miles came here and Willard miles wasn't that when he came here and Willard, they spent a whole summer getting him into shape and, and, you know, making him a better basketball player and making him a better shooter. And, and yeah, and, and you know what you you have to, and if you're a baseball fan, you have to separate, you separate, the, the on-field stuff with the business and the on-court miles stuff, tremendous player, you know, great player for Seton Hall, great shooter, one of the best we've ever had, number 13. And then there's the off-the-court stuff. And, you know, that's separate. That's his business. You know, that's going on in the court system. Right now I hear they're, you know, they want, they're trying to move the venue because in Essex County it's going to be hard, be hard to find a judge who didn't go to Seton Hall Law School. So that's where it is right now. But that's separate. You know, I don't even want to care about that. That's between Miles, the attorney, the school. That has nothing to do with Miles, the basketball player. And, yeah, it, you, you're right. Why didn't they bring up Miles Powell? We know why they didn't. Yeah, because they lost. I think that's fair. And, you know, as we kind of, like, shift off of Kevin Willard, I do want to ask you, Nick, because there's been a lot of memories over the last 12 years. When you, when you think back to the Kevin Willard era now, because it is an era, what's your favorite memory? Well, there's two games that stand out, and, 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 and they both have to do with, with family in a way, and one actually has to do with you. 
so, you know, Saturday afternoon against Villanova, we were the eight seed. They were the one seed. We just won the night before. And there were maybe 20 Seton Hall fans in the building. Me, my son, Nick, his friend, Alex, and you, and whoever you were with, we were five of them. So we made up 20% of whatever. And um, all the Creighton fans there started getting on our bandwagon because, you know, they wanted to beat the number, they wanted to see the number one seed go down. And we won that game. And, you know, we're looking for people to hug. And I went in the hallway and we're walking around and I saw you and we ran up and we gave each other a big hug and let's go Pirates. And I called the hall line. And, and it was just a great moment. And then the other one, and, and again, it's family. When we beat um, Villanova in the finals, you know, very close, very good feelings with that team. And we won. And I just wanted to get down to the court to hug my son. And I felt like Paulie on Rocky, in, in Rocky when, you know, sir, where's your pass? Where's this? Where's that? My wife's going, Nick, stop. You're going to get arrested. I'm like, no, I got to get down there. So I got down to the court. I saw Miles Carter, gave him a hug. I think Veer was there, gave Veer, uh, Dalton. And then someone went in and told Nick, you know, your dad's looking for you. And Nick came running out. And I think he might have even had the trophy then. And we gave a hug and it have a great picture of it. So, you know, Willard made those memories possible. So, yeah, those two things just stick out because it had to do with Seton Hall Pirates and it had to do with family. Yeah, for me, there, during that era, there's, there's three things that kind of stick out to me. Uh, first, the game you mentioned when we saw each other and we were some of the very few fans that was the year prior to the championship. That's when they, right. uh, that's when the, the Sterling Gibbs buzzer beater. And I have a great right. video of that from the student section of that game. I wasn't calling the game that year. And uh, that game really just sticks out to me because that was the first time after so much struggle for the program under Willer early on that you felt like this team was going to be able to turn a corner. Uh, and everyone knows later Sterling Gibbs left, Jaron Cena left, but that team really took all over with the, that sophomore class. And then obviously the national, the uh, Big East championship is going to be something that's always ingrained. I mean, it's the first time I've in my life seen Hall has won something where I, I've been a fan of them for, uh, to me though, what stands out to me the most about that. And it's, and it's not an insult to coach Willard, but what I will always remember about coach Willard is when Whitehead went up for the shot. And the foul was called and he's on the floor. I yeah, will yeah, he, always, he always remember that moment because it, I think that just shows what that game meant to him and the program. Because right. him going, him collapsing on the floor in, in celebration just, I think, solidified what everything up to that point has meant for him and his coaching staff and his players and the adversity. So to me, him falling is actually like the pinnacle on the court of his time at Seton Hall, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I also think back privately to stuff with Kevin Willard in his first early years, his press conferences with some of the guys that were troublemakers that he would have after games uh, when I was covering for WSU. <laughs> I mean, guys like Brian Oliver, uh, you know, Eugene Harvey's conferences, uh, the Fuquan Edwin conferences. I, I heard a ton of stuff in those press conferences that were just gold that you just don't hear anymore about players being talked about like he did. So I look at that at a personal level, but for me, it's that big moment that stands out for sure. How can it not be? I mean, that, that made every scene hall fan realize that they belong. They belong exactly. in the conversation every single year and it proved it. Exactly. So when you look at the players now, Nick, uh, you know, Jared Roden, Alexis Yetna, Ike Obiagu, Jameer Harris, all players are technically eligible to return. Do you expect any of them to actually be back next year? Chris, I have no idea. And, and especially now with Shaw and Shaw coming here, if he does come here, we have to say that. And um, Willard going there and who may go with him. And we have no – everything's so up in the air right now. Um, I would have said Harris was pretty much a lock to come play with his brother again. But who knows? Who knows, who knows what's going to happen? Um, I'd like to see – I thought Yetna had some potential um, – I, I'd like to see that. I, I don't think Ike was ever uh, a possibility, but but who but who knows? I think everything's just up in the air right now, and we'll know in the, in the next weeks or so. Yeah, I, I you know Nick, that's a good point. I didn't even think about players that might actually leave to go with Willard. I, I didn't even yeah. think about it from that perspective. It, for me, it was more of if they're going to stay at all or not. Um, right. I think Harris is going to be pretty close to a no-brainer. I can't see him not wanting to play with his brother, his, who his brother online said as of now, there's no reason he's not coming to Seen Hall. Right. Uh, Ike Obiagu, I think, could be interesting. I mean, 
he could probably get an international role somewhere really quick playing basketball, but he's also a really smart guy. I mean, he right. could go the, he could go the business route like Mike yeah. Enzi has. Um, and I, and you know, he's Mike Enzi's having a great career off the court. So I'm not sure about him. The player I think I hope for the most to return is Alexis yet. he has two yeah. years of eligibility left. And I think with him, he just looked like he belonged in the Big East. I, he fit into a mold so well, so quick. And I would love to see another year under his belt with the Pirates because right now you're talking about three starters plus Kale. And, you know, also now at this point, you're also going to be talking about a uh, Bryce Aiken. So you have five of your beginning of the year starters gone then. Uh, I don't expect Ronan to come back. I think his time is done at the, uh, in collegiate basketball to begin with. But right. it's going to be very interesting. I, I'm more also interested, too, in what happens with the coaching staff. So let's say Shaheen Holloway does become the head coach of the men's team. Does Grant Billmeyer stay? There's rumors that he might be in contention for the St. Peter's job. There's also rumors that his current assistant coach of St. Peter's, Ryan Whalen, former Seton Hall staffer, is being pegged to be the next St. Peter's coach. So I think the makeup of the staff that Coach Holloway brings in would also be a huge determining factor in who stays and who goes. Yeah, I, I think, and, and you made a good point. I, I think that um, when we, I took coach Bill Meyer, who I love was the top assistant here, you know, there's two assistants at Maryland that have already been hired. So if he does go with coach to, to Maryland, I don't know what his role will be. Um, and he has to be considered for the St. Peter's job. If shock comes here. And I think coach Whale and I think Ryan, Ryan's a great guy. And, you know, Ryan, I heard, did a lot of the game planning, you know, and, and Ryan's part of the legacy that they have now. So I'm sure he'll be in the mix and, and Grant will be in the mix. So Lord knows maybe who doesn't get that job comes here. I mean, it's going to be interesting. And then what's going to happen to Lynch and Smythe and all those guys? I mean, these are people's careers. I mean, people don't realize in, in the coaching profession, it's a tough profession because if the head coach goes, Lord knows where you're going to go. It's like a whole bunch of dominoes. You know, it's not like having a job, you know, like I definitely not like I have with security, you know, and or, you know, a job that other people have in private industry. You don't know from year to year where you're going to be. And if you move, it could be a totally different part of the country. So it's not an easy profession to be. It's a very rewarding profession. But, yes, you're right. It's going to be interesting to see where everyone lands. Yeah, for me, it's I can't see Grant at this point in his career wanting to leave New Jersey. I can't, right. especially with there being an opportunity probably to be handed his same role under Shaheen, if he wants it right. or an opportunity at St. Peter's as a head coach. I, I just, I right. can't see it. And I think for, right. for Grant, you know, going to St. Peter's, it's a great opportunity. You, you can't say it wouldn't be a great opportunity because of what they just did this year. They're going to get more respect next year. It's going to be a, a, a great platform for him to then kind of progress into the next stage of his career. But selfishly, I do hope he stays at Sinon because I think him and Shaheen together could be a great dynamic from a big man development to the recruiting skills of Shah. I think there is a great dynamic there. I also am a huge fan of Ryan Whalen. I've known him well while he was at Seton Hall. He's a great person. He's got a great family. He's got a yes. young family. So to, for him being able to stay in St. Peter's with the guys that he knows and uh, would be probably a dream come true for him to be able to be the coach at St. Peter's and kind of really start kickstarting his head coaching career. So I think a lot's going to be addressed in the next week or so, especially since St. Peter's is now out. Uh, these dominoes are going to start to quickly fall, like you said, of who's going to be where when the new season begins. Yeah, and the, and the other assistant at St. Peter's, I hear uh, people are high on him, and it's a possibility. His name escapes me, but I, he could be coming here as an assistant. So who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But it'll all sort itself out in the next weeks, I'm sure. And what's interesting is, and I someone told me this. So when a head, like when Willard leaves, right now the assistants are still under contract. So you still need someone to open the gym and to, you know, and to have, so those assistants are still Seton Hall assistants that are getting paid right now. So I I think most contracts are up, assistant contracts are up until June. I mean, that's what I heard the last time there was a a coaching vacancy when, uh, when Bobby left. So who knows? I know that, you know, almost every coach that there is goes to the final four and a lot of discussions, you know, happen that weekend. So, you know, we'll know a lot after that. 
It's going to be fun. And, you know, you know, we've talked a lot about the men's, but the women's program has had a great run themselves. They are still alive in the WNIT. Uh, first and foremost, the Big East sent four teams to the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. They had number two seed Connecticut, joined by number 10 seed Creighton, number 11 seed Villanova, and number 11 seed DePaul in the field. And Seen Hall and Marquette headed over to the WNIT. And how did they do? Well, first, they had a home game against Fairleigh Dickinson, and they won 67 to 45, followed by Virginia Commonwealth, or other people know them as VCU at home. 70 to 67 was a win, a tough game there at, at Walsh Gym, which I think really was just impacted by the fans and, and the crowd in South Orange for that game. And then in the Sweet 16, they faced Drexel and won pretty convincingly 78 to 71. It was a, a much better game than what the score actually indicated for the Pirates. And now they're on to the Elite Eight on Monday, which when this episode goes live, it'll be today uh, at Columbia in New York at a Levine gym. So, Nick, you know, for the women who started off the year with a lot of promise, who then got into a whirlwind of COVID protocol issues and, and health issues with the team to then go on an absolute tear to end the season. The Seno women's team is doing a little nice job here in the WNIT. Yeah, I think those guards, Seton Hall guards and, and Park Lane and Espinosa Hunter, I think when they're on, they're as good as any guard combination in the nation. And I think that they got hot at the right time. And I think Coach Bozella and, and Coach Lauren, you know, coach with such passion and they really care about their players. And, you know, they just got hot at the right time and they made a nice run, you know, at the end of the year. And, you know, it's continuing. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, there's Seton Hall. You talk about St. Peter's. And um, one of our uh, assistant, um, what's her name, Rochelle, uh, Rochelle Paul is now the AD at St. Peter's. And I think Joe Quinlan's the AD at Columbia. So there's, you know, tons of Seton Hall connections all over the metropolitan area. So, you know, the Ivy League is pretty good in, in, in women's hoops. So it's going to be an interesting game. Hopefully I'll uh, get home from work in, in enough time to watch it. But go Coach B and go Pirates. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for the women's team. I think that they are having a great run, which they deserve. I think this team just got riddled with bad luck this year. This, this, this team was an NCAA tournament team. They had enough talent to be an NCAA tournament team. And it just that middle of the stretch in the season just absolutely killed their chances. But right now they're 22 and 12 overall. They have just really picked it up. They're 13 and five at home. They were six and five away from home and three and two in neutral sites. Uh, it's, it's really been a good turnaround for this program. And I'm, I'm very happy for coach Bazella and his staff, but players like Lauren Park Lane, who are returning next year, she is just absolutely sensational. I got a chance to interview earlier this year, Maya Jackson, who I think is just a wonderful person. And she's just a great leader on this team. And Andres Spinoza Hunter, who I just think is a magical player to watch. I absolutely love, love watching her play. I got to watch her play last uh, year as well as you did. And just think so highly of her. And she came on coach at pirates last season and, She's so composed and so professional. And I think that goes back to her experiences being a player at UConn where they really train you how to talk to the media and it showed when I yes. spoke with her. But I think right now, Nick, this program is on, is, on, is on a good run. And I think that they can hopefully keep it going. And, you know, there's, there's no reason this team can't be expected to make a good run and win this WNIT. They, they have all the talent in the world to do it. Now they just got to prove it on the road. They've had three home games to kind of take advantage of that. Now is their time to really shine on the road. And I think, Looking at also on the men's side here, Nick, uh, as we get set to close shortly, we have a final four in the NCAA tournament. It's, it's going to be a big one, Nick. I mean, on one side, you have number two seed Duke, Coach K's final tournament versus North Carolina, the eighth seed. Neither team has ever faced each other in the NCAA tournament. I don't even know how that's possible, how they have never played each other. And of course, it's in Coach K's final year. And on the other side, you have number one, Kansas, Versus number two, Villanova. Of course, it's Villanova representing the Big East. What do you expect out of this fi final four matchup? I mean, you're talking about heavy hitters here. Oh, oh I, think it, I, I think it's a chalk and it's a blue blood heaven. And I, and I think you couldn't write in any better script than, than Duke, North Carolina. Um, I, you know, I, I, again, I'd love to see Villanova go for number three. I mean, but I'm really high on Kansas. I, I just think that Kansas, you know, stands out over these four teams. And, you know, Bill Self is a great coach. And, um, you know, I'm going to go with Kansas. I'm going to go with Kansas over Duke. Let's say Kansas over Duke. That'll make good TV. Coach K's, you know, in the finals. And, you know, Kansas over Duke. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I, I think Kansas is the best team left in this tournament. 
yeah. having said that, I think it's going to be Duke Villanova. Um, okay. I, th- I think Duke wins it. I think Duke's getting hot at the right time. I saw a couple of their games so far. I, I think they're playing really well. I think they have a lot of momentum going for their coach. Uh, I think he's going to be royally pissed off av- after that loss that he had against North Carolina in his final home game. Uh, and I think, right. he just, I think he's got a lot of motivation. I think the team has a lot of motivation. And just honestly, until I see Nova lose, I'm not going to bet against them in this. I just think that they, they always find a way the last couple of years to kind of make good runs. Um, you know, with, with one of their key players going down now, I think they're going to be really motivated. They're going to be playing with a high level of, of intensity and adrenaline. Uh, I don't think you can count out Kansas at all. I think if Kansas is in the finals, they probably win it. But I just don't know if I can take Villanova out just yet. So I, I do think it'll be Duke over Nova in the championship game. And, and that's what makes it so interesting because it could be any, any one of those four teams. You know, you, you have some other guys here and they're picking a, a totally other thing um, with Villanova and, and what makes them so tough in a game down the stretch. They don't miss foul shots. They're like one of the greatest foul shooting teams in the history of college basketball. And, and I think that that's just so key the way the games, you know, with the bonus situation in the game being played now. So, yeah, but, it, but I can't wait. It's, it's going to be a ton of fun. You know, I, you couldn't. The, the, for TV, it couldn't be any better. I just think, like you said, Nova's a little banged up, and I think that uh, Kansas is going to be the cream. But we'll see. It's going to be fun, and it all starts on April second. So it's just a just a quick week away. Nick, as we close here, new coach expectations. Regardless of who the coach is, what is the expectation for the Seen Hall men's basketball twentieth coach in program history? I think to take the foundation that was built and add on it to get good student athletes to come here, to get people from some of the best high schools in New Jersey and to get players who can shoot, not necessarily basketball players. You got to have those, but you also want to get guys who could fill the hoops up with shots because that's the way the game is right now. Spread the court, penetrate high ball screens, kick the ball out and hit threes. The legendary 89.5 FM WSU Hall line caller, Nick from Milburn. Nick, thanks for joining. See you at an upcoming game and having you back on here on Courtside Pirates. Thank you, Chris. That blew by. It was so much fun. I thought it was great. And um, you're the best at what you do. And I appreciate everything that you do. Go Pirates. This brings us to our closing segment, Courtside Perspective. Special thanks once again to Nick from Milburn to help recap a wild conclusion to the Scene Hall men's basketball season and what is on the horizon as a new era is set to begin in South Orange, New Jersey. I would also love to hear from you. Follow me on Twitter at Paisis, that is at P-A-I-Z-I-S, and reach out with any questions as they could be answered on an upcoming show. Also, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a review for the show by scrolling down on the podcast page. The season finale of Courtside Pirates will air following the official announcement of the next head coach of the Seton Hall men's basketball program. Again, my name is Chris Pates. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time on Courtside Pirates. Courtside Pirates.